0: Today, I'm not the brother that gets to greet you. Because a sister got to greet you today, and hopefully you thought Andrea did a fantastic job, because I thought she did a fantastic job. She's a new member of our team, so shout out to her. Um, apologize if I'm melancholy. I, at some point during the sermon, I'll probably pick up, I'll, I'll perk up. Um, I'm not in a bad mood, it's just been a, uh, it has been a week. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a 12 days. Um, And so, while I am so excited to be here, so excited to share what God has been impressing upon me uh, through previous teachings and just through my preparation, at the same token, I'm not going to be Captain Uwe today, possibly. So, if that's what you came for, I will give you a full refund later. But... (laughs) But I know you didn't come here for that because that would speak to immaturity, right? You you came here because you wanted what God had for you today. And so whether I ooe we or whether I'm in my R and B I, I like that. Who said that? Give give yourself credit. There you go. Whether I ooe we or whether I'm more R and B, um I hope that you can extract extract from what I'm saying the truth, right? Because all the words I'm gonna give you, a lot of this being fluff at the beginning, this isn't the point. So it's your job as mature believers and maturing believers, if you don't consider yourself mature yet, it's your job to extract truth from what you hear up here. We're not to just take everything that I or Judah or Alan or Bob says and just say, oh, it's good, because they're up there. They're on the, the stage thing, so but we're to extract. So as I'm talking, I want you to extract. I want you to be taking notes, and I want you to extract. And as Scripture says, I want you to chew up the meat and spit out the bones. Because there may be some bones in this message. Hope not. I'm prepared, but there might be some bones. So if I give you a bone, I apologize. Just spit it out. So a lot of what we're going to actually do today, oddly enough, with this new series, a two-week series called Love Well... What we're going to be doing a lot of this week is actually review because I thought, and this is not just because I love my colleague, but I thought what Alan gave us, or rather what Holy Spirit gave us through Alan last week was so good. And he had said during the beginning of the message, he was having some of the zoomies, if you remember. I'm allergic to cats, but... I could appreciate the reference that he had some of the zoomies. He was bouncing around. He was jumping from passage to passage. And sometimes that's just the nature of the teaching because there's just so much we want to get done in such a short amount of time. Right. So he had the zoomies. And so as he was talking, I'm like, man, I wish he would have read that a little slower. I wish he would have said that again. I wish he would have spread that up. he would have dug into this. And but it was good. And so I said, all right, well, apparently I don't need so much of a new series as much as we need a third part. Of Alan's teaching so I called him last night and made sure me and him were on the same page and I wanted to say okay hey do I understand what you were saying last week well like I'm gonna say it and then you tell me if I got it and he was like yeah you got it that's what's up so he didn't say that's what's up make Alan sound really cool and hip-hoppy but Alan confirmed that what I thought was happening last week was happening and so In in essence, this will be a review slash part three. I'm going to do it as much justice as I can. And then if time permits at the end, we'll examine the first part of Love Well. Now, a little bit of background background about this series title. Over the next two weeks, in addition to reviewing, I want us to reflect, not so much change the topic, but kind of examine God's pursuit of us by saying how much he loves us well. So in week one, we're going to be talking about that. How does God love us? Because scripture talks about how he has done well by us. And so I want to reflect on that, because if we blow past that and we get to another topic, we would have missed it. Everything we do is in view of how well God has loved us in response to how well God has loved us, how comprehensive he has loved us. So it's important that we get that. So that's week one. And then week two... Maybe this is just because of how my last 12 days have gone. Maybe you won't relate as much next week. But I've been in a few conflicts recently, some with family, some with colleagues, and I find that there are times when my well is running dry. And I find myself operating out of flesh because I think that my bucket is dry, when in fact, If we focus on what we're going to talk about today and we realize how much love God has given us, has bestowed upon us, we realize that the bucket's never dry. We just haven't plunged it deep into the love well for that day. And we can change that. So now you understand what's going to happen. And if you didn't like that preview, you're welcome to leave now. (laughs) But that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to endeavor to do. So first and foremost, let's go over to Psalm chapter 103 starting at verse one. The whole thing is good. So when I take little excerpts out, I'm not trying to cherry pick. We just don't got that much time. So make sure you read this on your own. But I'm going to read these first six verses because Alan explored some of this last week. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities, not some, all. Who heals all your diseases, not some, all. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. Now, I like this for a few reasons. But what Alan gave us last week was that God first heals us of our iniquities, or he forgives, rather, our iniquities. He gets rid of those things about us that are incongruent with him. He gets rid of our crimes because of that incongruence. Because we weren't properly aligned with him, we did things that would upset him, things that were not meeting up to his standard. And so he removes all the evidence of, he takes away all of the residue of our incongruency. He strips us of it. Everything that made us an enemy of God, he says, that's gone now. Anything that put us on the opposing side, he says, that's gone now. Sometimes we don't always feel that way. And I'm here to tell you your feelings, well, because I'm a touchy feely guy, your feelings matter, but not that much. See, because God sympathizes with our feelings, but He's saying that's not going to write truth today. Too often, how we feel about ourselves becomes our reality, and that is dangerous. So when he says he forgives you of all your iniquities, guess what? You need to do it too. See, too often, I, I'll just say me, because maybe you're perfect, but I too often view myself through the lens of the mistakes I made that day. And so depending on when you catch me, post or pre-mistake, you might say, Donovan, how's your day going? And I'll go, it's all right, because I just made a mistake. So I'm viewing myself, not in view of his mercy, his love, how he identifies me, but by how I assess myself. But my record, my accounting is broken at best. I cannot properly account for myself, my value, my position, lest I say I am in him. That's the only thing I could say that's true about me is that I am in him. Everything else flows from that. How you feel about yourself really is irrelevant. And so as we're reading this, the reason why we then can go on to think about how he heals all of our diseases is because we first fully accept that all of our iniquities are gone because I wouldn't heal somebody who has wronged me. Part of the reason why we have a hard time trusting in his healing is because we don't really f- believe that we're forgiven. So we struggle with receiving his healing because we don't really think we deserve it. And in reality, we don't. In and of ourselves. But I'm not in or of myself any longer. I am in Christ. And I am of Christ the substance of my being the the fullness of my humanity now flows out of him he is redefined my humanness my Donovanness must flow from Christ so now if I am in him and I am of him I'm fully forgiven and as a result my knee which you guys see me kind of limping on but hopefully by the end of it is you know squat ready my knee will be healed and is healed. That doesn't sound right. I'm going to say it again. My knee will be healed, as in by tomorrow I'm going to be able to do this without pain. It hurts now. So it will be healed, but it already is because he has declared it so. He has said he will heal me of all of my diseases. So knee soreness must flee. It can't exist in me. Asthma has to go. I was experiencing it yesterday and I found myself speaking out of truth because I found myself saying my asthma is flaring up. But I remember hearing a truth years ago where uh, a a pastor, a teacher said we should stop saying my asthma as if it were something we claim. So I had asthmatic symptoms yesterday, but they can't live in this vessel. They cannot stay. It doesn't mean diseases don't keep coming. It means they can't take up residence in me. That goes for depression, for anxiety, for suicidal ideation, for jealousy, and whatever iniquity, whatever issue, whatever disease you got, it cannot live in you any longer. And you're going to say, Donovan, some of you will come to me afterwards, is definitely here. It's definitely on the lease. We must rewrite the lease. A new owner of me is present now. He can kick out whatever tenants he want to kick out. And so depression, you're evicted. Anxiety, you're evicted. You can go. Knee soreness, we no longer need your services. We going to have to find another place of employ. We can kick these things out and we can fully embrace healing because, again, we must fully embrace forgiveness. And, and I love this because, see, the psalmist, he's talking to himself, not just us. See, we read Scripture very selfishly, so we're always thinking, oh, he said this about me. And the thing is, the promises are applicable to us, but the psalmist is saying to his soul, Read it with me again. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. There's a direction here. Do y'all see it? He's directing his own soul. And if you've heard any of the sermons, you know there's a body, there's a soul. Am I far enough over? There's a spirit. Now, the spirit is a thing that God has already redeemed, but the soul, the mind, the soulish part of who we are, that thing's being renewed every day. And we'll cover the verse that referenced that later. But that's being renewed every day. So I must tell myself truth to renew my mind. I'm being renewed by the transformative pursuit of Christ. It's not just redemptive, it's transformative. If I accept what God says about me, I will be transformed. So I must rehearse it in my private time as well as in my corporate time. Read this passage again, but, but now I want you to say it to yourselves, because that's what the psalmist was doing. This isn't just something really cool that we can make a hill song about. This isn't a declarative thing. This is an instructive thing. This is a meditative thing that we can say to ourselves. So let's say it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, telling me I should bless who? You you lost it already. Who should I be blessing? So my soul will bless the... Okay. Okay. And all that is within me, just in case anything else was not addressed with soul, he says, everything else, you got to do it too. Bless his holy name. Again, he says, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget none of his benefits. So what should we not forget? His benefits. And Alan did such a great job of talking about the benefits. So when I referenced this message over and over and over again, I'm essentially saying, as I've said before, go to the YouTube account for Word of Grace Fellowship, the page. We put all the messages there. Someone works really hard to upload those videos. Uploading takes time. Upload speeds are not download speeds. Jamison. you know this. And if the video file is big, it takes a while. So somebody's waiting while the thing's doing this. And as a result of somebody having to wait while the spinning wheel is spinning, you should watch it again. It's not just good for that week. So I don't want to forget none of his benefits, not one. My soul, you should know he pardons all your iniquities. So I want to point out to you, he heals all your diseases and he redeems your life from the pit. So when I'm feeling unforgiven, when I'm feeling sick or when I'm feeling like I'm in a pit, I need to tell my soul your feelings, your attitudes, your perspectives are being overwritten by truth. Because he has done these things. Not he will, he has done. They're done. And so now I can live in them because this is something I rehearse with my soul. I'll do it in my private time, I'll use it in a journal. I'll say it to myself. If you need to say it in the mirror, Truth will transform you. Truth will transform you. Let's go to the next passage. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 15, verses 22 to 24, because Alan mentioned that his forgiveness or his pursuit, it's quick. Now, this is coming off the heels of the prodigal son. I'll give you a little bit more than what we were able to give last week, again, because of the Zoomies. Alan spoke of a young man in a parable that went off to go do things that we ain't going to mention from the pulpit. But y'all got imaginations. And so the prodigal son goes off and he does all kinds of crazy stuff, but eventually he comes to himself. And when he comes back to his father, he has his whole script rehearsed, and you sometimes do as well. He went to the father, and he says, Father, I've sinned before you and everyone, and I'm so dirty, and I'm so broken, and I'm so sorry, and I'll take whatever little you have for me. And the father's like, ah, ah, ah. stop, please. <laughs> Servants. Servants quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet continue and bring the fat fat, fattened calf not the skinny one the fat one like the thick calf like the one with the extra piece of prime rib on it like there's filet mignon there's ribs, there's all kind of stuff on this calf it is thick bring the fattened calf, kill it And let us eat and celebrate. Go on. For this son of mine was dead, was dead, past tense. That is past tense, right? Okay, you're the expert in that. Was dead and has come to life again. He was lost, past tense, and has been found. And they began to celebrate. See how fast that happened? dude couldn't even finish his apology he couldn't get it all out he had more to say he might have examined all of his crimes he might have reviewed all of his iniquities the father goes ah, ah that's been paid for already and this parable while it's good it's an imperfect picture because We see the father loving, but we don't realize that in our lives, the father can love the way the father loves because the son died for us. That's why it could be so quick now for us. Like This is a parable. It's a story. It's Jesus trying to tell them what they could expect, but it's because he knew what he was about to pay up. See, the debt still had to be paid. It's not like the prodigal son or the prodigal sons and daughters in this room. It's not like when we approach him and we get this quick grace, this quick redemption, this quick restoration. It's not that it wasn't paid for already. Like the father just wipes it like, eh, it doesn't matter. No, it matters. We broke the father's heart. We do have these iniquities that are on our past record. Just because he wipes them away doesn't mean they didn't happen. But Now that he's wiped them away, he can move quickly. His response has already been determined. He has already decided to love you. He decided to pursue you way before you decided to show up to church this morning. Way before that emotional moment at that uh, youth retreat, that college ministry night. Way before that crying time in your room. Way before you said, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior. Way before you said it, he decided to love you. You just caught up. So the quickly can happen because he already decided, because he already paid for it, because it's already settled. Amen? Let's move on. John 10.10. Don't believe this was in last week's sermon, but I'm going to add it anyway. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. God's pursuit of us. God's pursuit of us will renew us. And it will give us abundance. Now, hold on prosperity gospel. I just said abundance. Do you think I'm talking about money? think I'm talking about Lamborghinis? Marcialagos, Balenciaga bags? Perfect beards? Haircuts daily? I wish. That'd be so dope if I could get a haircut every day. All the hairs be perfect all the time. Bald spots filled in. That abundance may not look like what the world wants it to look like all the time. There's times when you will have monetary or material gains as a result of your relationship with God, but that's not what he's promising. The abundant life is so much bigger than what the world understands. The world cannot comprehend the fullness of abundant life. We can't fully comprehend the abundance of abundant life. It's coming. It's reverberating still. You have not fully received all of the benefits that God has entrapped in this, but he still came to give it to you. And so it's constantly being rolled out. And rolled out and rolled out, and there's more and there's more. My sister Rosie always says that we are being saved. How do you say it? I always butcher this. Being, being saved. Say it again. Be, being saved. Can you say it one more time? One more time. You see how it's like, right? That abundant life is happening and happening and happening and happening and happening and happening and happening. And happening, and happening. It's still happening. We're to be in a state of being saved. He's renewing us all the time because the thief's still trying to steal stuff. But anything you've lost, and I'm more so focusing on this because I've heard this talk before, and every time it's like, you lost your job, God's gonna give it back. You lost your car, God's gonna, and it's always abundant. But you know what I'm here to say? We lost our understanding that our iniquities were forgiven. God's going to remind us of that. We've lost our understanding that healing is a right purchased by God. He's bringing that back too. Any amount of truth you've lost, God is so faithful. He doesn't just read you your benefits once. He is reminding you daily as you abide in him. He has so much more for us to gain from him because he's given us his complete self. Amen? Lastly, I don't know why I'm saying lastly. There's like so many more verses. Y'all not going anywhere anytime soon. So this is just the lastly of the review part. There's so much, oh my gosh, there's so much more. Maybe I am going to be hyped today. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, please. Oh boy, yes. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, fancy word, for our sins. I forgot you're not the only English expert in here. So Rosie, I'm gonna ask you again, what's propitiation mean? Satisfying sacrifice. sacrifice. Add that to your, your Rolodex of words. That's a really good word. The son was a satisfying sacrifice, a complete payment full for our sins. So if you don't want to believe anything else I have said this morning, we got to go back to this family because everything hangs on this. If we don't accept this, don't look for healing. If you don't accept this, You're not getting Abundant Life, because this is a part of Abundant Life. This is the first thing we understand about Abundant Life, that we've had our records fully wiped clean. And I don't care how dirty your record is. Some of y'all got some dirty records. See, I'm playing. See, because some of you were like, yeah, he notices. No, your records are wiped clean. I can't see it anymore. He don't see it anymore, so why would I? I'll say that again. Josh Williams, he don't see your record anymore, so why would I? If I do, I'm not working for him in that moment. If I'm constantly reminding you of your past issues, I'm not being a child of the most high. I'm not aligning with his efforts because he don't remind you of them anymore. They're done. We have to accept that. We should be reminding one another. When when one of us comes up and says, man, like, I just feel so dirty. da da. been paid for. You're mentioning old bills. Why don't we talk about old bills? We shred those. <coughs> Brittany, do you look at old bills? Do You go like, oh, man, this was a scary one. It's paid. That would be weird. Now, I do know some people who keep records of bills, my wife, but mainly mainly to confirm later at the end of the year, with the end of year bookkeeping, that they've been paid. So for all the accountants in the room and bookkeepers in the room, shout out to you. I get it. But we don't look at them with fear anymore. because That'd be weird. We just look at them to confirm that they've been paid. Let's remember that our bills have been paid. And then let's celebrate. There you go. That's an ooh-wee moment. Hold on. Lower my mic because I'm going to say ooh-wee in a moment. Ooh-wee. They didn't lower it fast enough. ooh I don't want to wake up with nobody's baby. So the last thing that Alan talked about that I thought was dope, and then we'll get to what I want to say. Um, he talked about the kinsman redeemer. How, how many of you guys went home after last week and read the whole book of Ruth? All right, Judah did. I've read it before, so I, I was being lazy, i be honest, because I should have read it again. It was good. But Judah did. And I encourage you to, so, and your notes, write down, read the book of Ruth. It is so long. It's four chapters, people. I didn't ask you to read Psalms. The book of Ruth is four chapters. Get into it. It is amazing. I'm just going to give you a little bit. So can we go to Ruth chapter 4, verses 1 through 11a? I felt fancy. I'm going to only go to the A clause. Okay. Now it says, now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. I'll give you context in a moment. Don't worry. Be okay. just, Just pay attention. Okay. So he said, turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. This is the relative. He took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. So Boaz is orchestrating something. He's trying to ensure that Ruth right? The protagonist of this story is taken care of. See, Alan alluded to the fact that Ruth was a widow and that in Jewish culture, the closest relative had to marry the widow so that there would be a child raised up to honor the fallen brother who had passed away. So Ruth's husband died, not in Israel, but in a foreign land called Moab. And so Ruth and her mother-in-law were all there. And the husband died as well as the husband's brother. And so there ain't no men's left. They're all gone. And so the mother-in-law, Naomi, says, I'm going to go back to Israel to be with my family and to be with my people. I'm not going to stay here any longer. Ruth's sister or sister-in-law says, eh, I'm chilling. I'm going to stay in Moab because she was a Moabitess. Ruth says, Naomi, you're my mother. Your God, my God. Your people, my people. She left everything behind. Forgetting everything that was behind, she pressed forward. We'll touch on that later. So Ruth goes back with Naomi, back to Israel, and we're speeding through quickly. I don't want to spoil it all because you should be reading it. And Ruth is introduced to the fact that there is someone who can redeem her. Boaz, also being a relative of Naomi, is talking to the person who should be doing the redeeming. Make sense? So closest relative is obligated, not optional, obligated to redeem. And if that person can't do it, the next closest relative. We got the closest and we got Boaz, the next closest. So they're having a conversation. And to make sure that it's official, they got the elders to sit down and they talk. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother, Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you, were, if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it. Not because Boaz can't redeem it, but he's not in the first seat or first position. You understand the legalese that's happening here? Okay. So there's nobody but you that can redeem it. And I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Good. Ruth is taken care of. And go to the next verse. Then Boaz says, on that day, or on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth, the Moabitess the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. Moving on. The closest relative said, "Ooh, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption for I cannot redeem it. Moving on. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandals, I'm not going to do that now, and gave it to another. And this was the manner of, of attestation in Israel. Attestation meaning like they attested to, like it was an official thing, a record. They gave the sandals up. Okay. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself and he removed his sandals. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to the Chilean and all of Malan. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malan, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are witnesses today. All the people who were in the court and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah mentioned earlier in scripture, see Genesis, both of whom built the house of Israel and may you achieve wealth in Ephrath and become, say it again, Ephrathah, thank you, and become famous in Bethlehem. It's a lot to unpack. It'll make more sense when you read Ruth. You should do that. When, Jameson? Well, I was gonna say this week, but if you you don't wanna watch the NBA All-Star game, read it today, that's okay. I, I could dig it, my brother. You, well, he's reading it today. Y'all can read it this week. I love this because it gives us another picture. All of this took, took place, by the way, because we accept that this is our history. This isn't just a book of stories. So all of this took place. This is our inher- ancestors talking, right? Our forefathers, rather, not ancestors. I know words. Our forefathers are talking. They're negotiating what's gonna happen and Ruth is fully redeemed. Everything about it, not just the land, but Ruth, all of the inheritance, all of it's gonna be reestablished. And Boaz does that because Boaz loves Naomi well and will soon love Ruth well. I love the fact that God knew all he was getting when he got us. And he still said, I will be their kinsman redeemer. He didn't see us as an inconvenience. He didn't see us as somebody that might jeopardize his inheritance. Instead, he saw us as somebody that would be his inheritance. You are a child of the king, and you have been redeemed fully. There's no more payments owed. You have been fully redeemed, and he did it gladly, enthusiastically. He redeemed us. So this whole kinsman-redeemer concept takes on an even more beautiful understanding for us. Because we're a little bit worse off than what Ruth was in her her former position. And if Boaz can step up for her, God more so stepped up for us. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, we're not going to need much more time because... Again, I told you this was going to be a part three, but I want to tell you now, as we shift to more of the love well content, that if we're to love God well, it's with an understanding that first, we owe him a response to all these things he has done. His pursuit is redemptive, his pursuit is quick, his pursuit is abundant, his pursuit is full, but we're to respond. See, because if we were to go back to the story of the prodigal son, if the prodigal son was redeemed and then said, thanks, dad, but now that the celebration's over, I'm going to the after party. I'm going to head back to the foreign land just for a little bit and I'll be back. That would have been a problem. See, the son was redeemed so that the son can go back to being fully a son. So now we have to ask ourselves, how do we love God well? Or as I've have rationalized it in my mind because I love analogies. What's God's love language? Everybody familiar with that concept? What are the five love languages? I'm just going to quiz you guys. I'm curious. Do you know? Well, just say the one. She she starts to say one, and she's like, I'm not going to say them all. Just one. So when are you said? I'm not going to say them all, then you said them all. Physical touch. What else? Acts of service. Words of affirmation. Gifts and quality time. Oh, wait, we'll put it on this hand. Quality time, carry it over. <laughs> so that's what the author talked about, right? And the book is cool. I mean, there's some gaps, but the book for the most part is pretty cool as far as how we should understand how we can love our helpmate and how they can love us and how we understand that our request of love, like what we want, might be indicative, or rather, sorry, what we give might be indicative of what we want, right? Because that's how we're wired, So I like physical touch and quality time, so I give a lot of that. And Felicia's like, well, bro, I'm reading a book. (laughs) Chill out. Thanks. Go watch TV. But sometimes we give what we want. And we're learning as we actively pursue each other, because Alan talked about that, that in marriage, we're actively pursuing. It's not like, I got you on marriage night, or I got you marriage day, I'm done, wedding's over, I got you, and then we stop. No, in marriage, we're continually pursuing. So Frank, are you continually pursuing? Bob, are you continually pursuing? Judah, are you continue? We are. Michael, are you? All right. Continually pursuing our mate. We should be doing the same thing with God. Now that he has gained us and now that we have recognized we've gained him, we should be constantly pursuing him, constantly going after him. Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 12, not that I have attained it, But I press on to the higher call. I want to lay hold of the one for whom has already laid hold of me. God's got a grasp of me, and I want to keep going after and grasping more understanding, more of his presence, more of his love. I want to grasp. I want to lay hold of all that God has for me because God's been laying hold of all that I have. Amen? So if we're doing this active pursuit, there are four things I'm going to suggest two of which I'll cover very quickly. There are four things I'm going to suggest that we should be doing or giving back to him, not because they equal what he's done for us, but just because it's reasonable. The first thing is our complete self. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You've seen it before, but we'll read it anyway. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living and holy sacrifices, or sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Move on. Oh, you don't have? Okay, no worries. No worries. You can move on later. I didn't give first 2. My bad. What I like about this, though, is it's in view of his mercies. So when you think, well, this is too high of a price to give, I got to give my whole body, like everything, like all my time, all my affections, all my attention, all my dreams, all my perspective, all my attitude. I got to give every, everything's his now. He gets to use my life however he wants. Seems a bit, a bit high. In view of his mercy, this seems reasonable. In view of his mercy, this ain't enough. In view of his mercy, in view of his love, in view of his divine pursuit of us, this is a small price to pay. Make sense? He wants all of us. Verse 2, thank you, Cindy, I love you. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So even if you don't like the rest of the list I'm going to give you, you want to know what God's will for your life is, you want to know how he wants you to love him back, first we must be transformed and our mind must be renewed. Because there's specific things, I'm going to give you general things over the next two weeks, but there's specific things that he wants from you, Molly. I know you're writing, you don't have to look up. Don't give me eye contact. Because I knew you were writing, that's why I picked on you. There's things that he wants from Molly specifically, And as Molly's being transformed and her mind is being renewed, he's going to reveal those things because he'd be an unjust God if he wanted something from you, but he didn't tell you what he wanted and didn't give you the ability to give it. I'll say that again. He would be an unjust God if he didn't tell you what he wanted or how he wants to be loved and didn't give you the ability to give it or to love him well. So everything I'm saying is on the premise that he has given us all that we need and he has made it very clear. And that his Holy Spirit is making it clearer. What he wants from us, he will explain. It's then up to you to give. Amen? So he wants all of us. We're gonna jump down. The next thing that I believe he wants us to offer him in return is our complete trust. So can you head down with me to first John chapter four, verse 15 through 18? First John chapter four, verse 15 through 18. It reads, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I'll say that again. There is no fear in love. Love being God, me being in God, me abiding in his love, him abiding in me, there's no fear in that. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Go back to verse sixteen, I believe. So I caught this and I want to give it back to you. Let's see here, God's love. Okay, so this abiding explains verse seventeen. So when it starts off saying what it says in 17, we'll get to that in a second, I want you to read this again, knowing that this is what verse 17 is referring to. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Beginning of verse 17, by this, love is perfected with us. Go back to 16. By this, love is perfected with us that we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. By this, love is perfected. it's, It's doing this weird thing. By this, love is perfected. By this, love is perfected. Go back to verse 16. I know it's getting redundant, but I need you to get this. We have come to know and have believed, knowing, believing, the love which God has for us which means we got to throw out what we think we deserve, what we think we're worth, what we think about ourselves has to go because this is how love is perfected. And I want to perfect God's love. God is love and the one who abides in love. So God is love. And if I am in that or abiding in that, abiding in him, the one who abides in love abides in God. But in addition to me being in that love and in that God and abiding, God then abides in us. This is a beautiful thing. And this is how love is perfected. Now, go back to verse 18. I'm making you work today, Cindy. I promise I owe you. I love you. There is no fear in love. We talked about this earlier, but I'm going to read this slow because I think that we still got some fear in the room. We need to let it go. We need to evict it. It shouldn't be here. There is no love, no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now, I'm not talking about the love that they talk about on Hallmark cards that y'all gave out to each other a couple days ago. I ain't talking about that type of love. Perfect love, agape love, the love that God offers and teaches us that we might offer to others, that love has no fear in it. Because fear involves punishment. And do we still think that we're going to be punished by God? I love that Alan referenced the Patriot, and he talked about how Mel Gibson said, I once feared that my sin would revisit me. I don't got to fear that. My, fear, my, my sins aren't coming back. My iniquities aren't coming back to roost. As he said, the other shoe is not going to drop. I'm perfectly forgiven. I'm perfectly healed. So I don't have to fear punishment because when the father sees me, he sees his son. When he looks at Donovan, he sees perfection because he sees the blood of Christ that has washed me clean. He sees full propitiation, a satisfying sacrifice so he can look at me and I don't have to fear punishment. I want y'all to know that his pursuit, his pursuit is amazing. The overarching theme for the year is divine pursuit because we recognize there's just so much more than what we have laid hold of. And we really need to grasp it because if nothing else, this passage tells us this is how love is perfected. And here at Word of Grace, and it should be in the whole kingdom, that we want to see his love perfected. We want to see everything that God has for us. He has given richly, and I want to receive it. Reminds me of a story, and I'll tell this, and then we'll head out. So we were at one of the famous Mary Keene birthday parties a few years ago. Shout out Mary Keene if you're watching. We love you. You're right. Thank you. Mary Sable. I know you as Mary. Okay. Mary Sable. We were at one of the famous birthday parties that happens for Mary Sable, and I remember thinking, going to this birthday party, I think the first time, I said, why am I here? I barely know this person. (laughs) I got plugged into the church, and Felicia and I were invited. I think people were just being kind, and we're at this birthday party, and I didn't quite get it, but by the second and by the third party, I'm like, no, I get it. There's something about Mary. Mary's pretty cool, right? Mary's pretty amazing. And so we're at this birthday party. Yes, I know it's a movie reference. There's something about Mary. So Mary's at this party. We're at this party. We're hanging out together. And we actually go to get ice cream afterwards because she loves ice cream. And now I know her husband loves ice cream. He has a whole Instagram account, like almost dedicated to ice cream. It's pretty cool. And so we're at this restaurant and we see this. We later figure out was a couple there. Chanel, you'll remember this story, but there's this couple there. And we're talking with them. And we started talking about salvation and the Lord gave me, impressed upon me this example, right? So I shared this couple, not knowing that they were Christian, we later found out, that to receive salvation, to receive all that God has for us, we have to, one, take the check, right? He's giving us this check, and it says our full, our full sin has been paid, everything's wiped clean, like it, it outlines all the details of his salvation on this check. But when you get a check, for those who are old enough to remember checks, and I still write them too, what do you have to do when you deposit a check? You got to endorse it. See, be- <laughs> that, was a, that was official. Because we can't deposit the check unless it be signed. The bank can't even put it in your account unless you give it permission to do so. That's what you're doing. Like you're saying, hey, bank, you can feel free to deposit this on my behalf. Because they need proof that you actually wanted this. And so I say to this couple who I don't know that we ultimately have to sign the check. That when, he, when, died, when he, Christ died, sorry, that word got butchered. When Christ died, he died once for all. He ain't dying again. He doesn't have to. He's not dying again because one death was a what? A satisfying sacrifice. A God who did not deserve death, a Christ who did not deserve anything, took on all the things we deserved. And he does this, and so then we get this check in the mail, metaphorically speaking. But family, we have to sign it because that's how we give our complete trust. First, we give our complete selves, but then we must give our complete trust. And when we give our complete trust, we are signing the check and saying, Lord, you could deposit this into our account. For the rest of the year, we're going to unpack what that looks like for that to be in our account. Because as we're divinely pursuing him and we're getting to know him more, we'll get to understand what that means, like how much that purchase. Alan's always talking about it, purchases healing and purchase forgiveness, purchases peace of mind. Like it, There's so much that that check gives us, but we have to sign it first. And if we're still holding on to guilt, if we're still holding on to I'm not worthy, we're not signing the check. Because we think he gave it to the wrong person. But see, he gave that check to the right person. He knew fully well when he gave of himself, he was giving it so that he could have you. That's why it's reasonable to give him everything. It's reasonable because he paid for you. You giving it back is him respecting the free will that he's given. But understand, he paid for a reason. He didn't pay so you can go back into a foreign land. That's why we give our complete selves. That's why we don't go back. That's why we won't turn back anymore because we want to take on everything he paid for. Amen? Next week, we're going to cover the last two pieces because we're talking about how we need to give ourselves and we're talking about how we need to give our trust. But the other two things I think we need to give, prepare yourself for it. We need to give our obedience I know obedience seems uncomfortable, but we need to give it anyway, whether we want to or not. And we need to also give over our relationships with others because how we deal with other people, John 13, 34 through 35 says, reflects him. By this, though, know that you are his disciples, right, is what is being talked about. And so if everyone to know that we're his, that he fully purchased us, we need to follow that command in that John 13 passage that says, a new command I give to you to love one another as I have what? Loved you. So once we completely know what that love is, now we're accountable to love people the way we've been loved. But it'll be fun, and I'll have a little more ooey in my step next week. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, God, that you have loved us and pursued us, completely. God, we are fully yours. There's no aspect of us too dirty. You have cleaned us. No aspect of us too broken. You have fixed us. No aspect of us too diseased. You have healed us. We are everything you have called us to be and are becoming everything you have called us to be. Lord, we are grateful. We give of ourselves to you freely because it is a reasonable sacrifice for your divine pursuit. Thank you, God, for pursuing us when we were yet enemies. When we were far off, you came after us. Thank you, God. Thank you for coming after those that didn't deserve it. Thank you for coming after us. Thank you for still coming after those in our family that have not yet accepted you. Thank you for coming after a world that is so broken and so fallen and desperately needs you. Thank you for coming after it. Thank you for loving it far more than we ever will. Thank you, Lord, for pursuing us. We will forever be grateful. We will forever sign the check. We will forever receive what you have because you have pursued and loved us well. It's in your name that we pray these things and accept this truth. It's in Jesus' name we say, amen.